Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the extinguished Matthew Henry. Oh, wait, I might mean distinguished. Nah, let's go with extinguished. The extinguished Matthew Henry. You're looking very extinguished today, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm, I, if extinguished means drunk, smashed, you know, then, then, okay, I'm extinguished. I think it means done, kaput, over, finished. Oh. Okay, that too. That too. I was just going to say, you know, we, you know, as listeners may know, we record our Thursday podcast before we record this one. I'm already one cocktail in and it was a doozy, folks. So, you know, I I'm I am also done. I'm as done as the Giants are, Ben. <laughs> oh, so you're still going through the motions, but you don't give a crap. <laughs> I turned on the game today cuz, you know, the 49ers weren't playing. Right, yeah, because they took care of business on Thursday. Yeah, so I was like, shoot, I should just turn on the the TV. And then it like, you know, started at four o'clock and we eat dinner at six. And so I watched the first two thirds of the game and then uh, and then paused it while we ate dinner and then came back and realized that, uh, oh, gee, the Giants found another way to lose a game. I mean, I, I'm so done, Ben. I'm extinguished. I'm extinguished, especially after watching Tyro Estrada bunt with the bases loaded. Like, it's just, you know, like... I'm are like, you saying that bases loaded bunts with two outs are not exciting? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And and not successful most of the time, I might add. So, so the, I just, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing, Ben. I'm so done. I'm just yeah, done. Well, I'm just done. Here we are. We are in Where's game. my drink? There it is. <laughs> well, they have six games to play. So what? That means this was game 156. Yeah, this was game 156. And uh, and in game 156, Tyro Estrada arguably, well, he definitely, definitively is one of your best three hitters this year, right? Because the Giants only had three good hitters. No, I, I take that back. Yaz was okay. Um, but in game 156, one of your best hitters does not know what to do when the bases are loaded with two outs. Or you told him to do something really stupid. Well, then I, I was thinking that maybe he just felt overmatched and that was the only way that he could get it down. But then the next time he came up against the same pitcher, he roped a, a, a line drive into left center field. So, well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know whose choice that was to for him to bunt in that particular situation, but either it was called for from the bench, which I cannot possibly believe, right? Because if that was called for from the bench, I agree, Kapler should be fired for that for that error alone, and I just can't believe that that was called for. So I have to think that that was Estrada acting on his own. But if your culture of your clubhouse in game one fifty six is where a guy does that then you are very, very broken. 
Yeah, and we saw some mental mental errors this week. Yaz forgetting how many outs there were and leading to a go-ahead run. You know, just th- that that kind of falls into this. Like, baseball IQ, are you into this game or are you not? And it's it's becoming really painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's something very broken about this team. Very, very broken. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of these things. We're going to talk about how broken it is. We're going to talk about what went wrong. That's the plan for today, folks. At the next week's episode, we're going to be we're going to be, you know, looking back at the whole season overall. We're going to be handing out some giant cocktail awards. You know, we're going to be looking for the silver linings. We're going to be looking at the positives. But today is about just letting go. Just letting it go. And on that note, Matthew, I have a question for you. Okay. Is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? Is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? In uh, yes, it is. Uh, it's more painful and uh because you that that act of loving when it's unrequited becomes painful so definitely there's that aspect of it so i guess you could argue maybe in that respect better to have never loved at all but the only reason the pain is there is because the love was so good and so I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm drunk, dude. And, yeah, okay. Um, All right, well, let me take I, over. I, and, you know, the romantic in me is like, yeah, better to have loved, Ben. Better to have loved. But if we're talking about the Giants, uh, they, they've caused a lot of pain. As a, a romantic partner, the 2023 Giants... First of all, it was like we went out on that first date and it was not good. But we, like, we, we gave them a pity second date. And the second date was pretty good. And we were like, oh, wow. You know... This actually worked out. Wow. This guy was way different this time. His jokes all landed. He was, you know, he he was very comfortable ordering his own dish. Like, he felt like he knew what he wanted, you know? Uh, the first time it felt like he didn't know what he wanted. You know, he was asking the waiter all these questions, and then, he, and then you know, and, and he, he kept, like, but then he would, like, answer, you know, he'd finish the waiter's sentences, but he'd be wrong. That was what the first date was like. Second date, it was like he and the waiter were in sync and everything was working out. But then, you know, what happened is, is that all of the remaining dates after that, he just turned out to just be this sort of apathetic underachiever. And we kept hoping that that guy from date number two would come back. But he never did. And finally, it was pretty clear by the last date that he was taking us for granted. And I think that's when we all just got up and walked out. And that's it. We're done with the 2023 Giants. And I like that analogy a lot. It's a little weird and awkward. But anyway, today is Sunday, September 24th, as we record this podcast. Your apathetic date the San Francisco Giants went one in five this week. 
to bring their record to 77 and 79. Like, this was the big week, folks. This was when the guy had the big job interview and and he had to go to the job to prove that he had a future and that he wasn't just looking for somebody to 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 just, you know, leech off of. And he didn't oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Up. The week before is when he had the job interview. This is the one where he was trying to save his job. Right. This is the <laughs> okay, one where okay, he heard the HR had like, you know, so you're saying the Rockies the was the interview. Was yes. Yes. And, 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 the, and the Diamondbacks was him trying to save his, save his job. Yes. Right. Right. And then the, and then the and then the and then the Dodgers series was just kind of him after he'd been arrested and he's in the interrogation room. <laughs> And he's and he and he's he's asked us for bail and he's waiting for us to bail him out and we're like, dude, I don't even know you. Yeah, okay, I like it. Yeah, that's good. Well, anyway, that loser went one and five this week, and uh, you know, cause yeah, he totally whiffed on trying to save himself in front of HR uh, when he was uh, you know in Arizona in a must win series. Right. That we hyped that. Everybody hyped that up. I don't know why we hyped that up. We, the Giants have been pathetically bad for eight weeks and people were hyping that series. Like That's all we had, uh, Ben. It's all we had. Yeah, because we still wanted to believe in this loser. Yeah. What a dud. He's a dud. You know, our mom was right. And I hate it. Actually, you know, our mom, if this was a real analogy, she would have set us up. But you know what I mean? One of our listeners mothers, they were right. When they were like, this guy's no good. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't no good. I mean, he's not the worst ever, but he's certainly not the best ever. I mean, welcome to middle place. Congratulations. Anyway, that loser went 0-2 against Arizona. And then he tried to turn a new leaf and, you know, hey, 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 I'm going to get better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better man. I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking all of these, these classes. They're, they're, they're going to make me younger. I'm, I'm doing this Matos thing. I'm doing this, uh, I'm doing this Fitzgerald thing. You haven't heard of that one, have you? No, yeah, it's a new it's one. It's new. And then you look into Fitzgerald and you're like, this isn't new. This is 26 years old. <laughs> I mean, it's new to me, <laughs> but it's definitely not new. And, it, you know, but hey, it, it kind of worked. I mean, the Fitzgerald thing looked good. Didn't help him any, though. They went one and three. I don't know if there's any point in looking at the standings today, folks. Like, we all know. I mean, we all know, right? If you're listening to the show at this point, you know. I mean, we talked about it last week. They've already been eliminated from the division standings. They are not technically eliminated. I suppose there's a few people out there who still believe the Giants have a chance. And they do, statistically speaking. You know, I mean, if the Giants went eight and four, sorry, sorry, sorry. If the Giants won all their games to win with 84 wins, they would need the Cubs to go one and five. They would need the Marlins to go two and four. They would need the Reds to go one and four because they're only playing five games. Uh, so yeah, they basically need to win every single game and have all of their opponents only win one game. Yeah, Ben, Fangrass is listing the Giants as a whopping 0.0% chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> all right, good. Partly okay. because they're now tied with the San Diego Padres in the standings who also have a 0.0% right. chance. And you know, we usually talk about this at the end of the show when we're looking ahead, but you know, the Padres and the Giants, their elimination number is both two. Right. If if the Cubs 
And then I guess at that point, the Marlins would probably overtake them. If the Cubs and Marlins both lose all of their games, the Giants or the Padres are going to knock each other out. Whoever wins this series is going to definitively knock the other out because their elimination number is two. Or they could knock each other out. They could knock each other out with a little bit of help, right? Yes. If if the Cubs win on Monday and then lose on Tuesday, but the Giants split those two games, they will have eliminated each other. That's the way things stand. And so the season is over. Um, And that's the standings. There you go. Matthew, there you go. Who's, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, should we do the who's hot and who's not? Do, you know, it's, we, it's just more interesting to list the who's not at this point, you know, because it's just really an indictment on the season. Like, right. who's not hot? Right. Uh, first of all, who is hot? The, uh, the big one is Marco Luciano. Since he got brought back up, he is five for 14, batting 357 with a 400 on base. I'm really glad uh, they sent that kid down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like just Paul DeYoung really deserved that shot, Ben. Oh, yeah. Paul DeYoung, forever giant. He had one good game. One. One good game. Uh, Tyler Fitzgerald, his first week in the bigs, batting three thirty three, nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, those two guys doing well. But it's really those who aren't doing well. So remember the starting outfield, the projected outfield before the opening day of Mitch Haniger and Michael Conforto and Mike Yastrzemski? I do remember that outfield. That outfield yeah, sounded yeah. very impressive to a so lot of people, not to it me. Did. Yeah, okay. But, you know, that was the the big free agent signings and all that. Well, for the last week, those three players had a total of four hits in 37 at-bats. Well, see, Matthew, what you want is you want your clutch players to come have clutch performances in crunch time, right? And that's... Oh, wait, was no, that's, that's ago, what I would say two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. I would say if they. Okay. Yeah, no, I see what you're yeah. saying. And, and yeah. you know, Patrick Ooh. Bailey, for as much as we've loved seeing him, uh, especially on the defensive side, even though you could argue even that has fallen off a little bit. Uh, one for 16 over uh, for the week. And then J.D. Davis also one for 16 this last week. Uh, so, I mean, really, those are five guys that were considered. Yeah, really, you know, stalwarts of our offense, uh, you know, Patrick Bailey notwithstanding, who all sucked it this week. And that's just pretty much how the whole season has gone, Ben. And that that's, you know, so it's really no surprise that this week uh, is kind of a microcosm of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, it really has been, right? I mean, I think everywhere you look, it's just sort of echoes of of ineptitude and, and, and you know, with with small flashes of hope that really just barely bring them back to mediocrity. Right. It's really interesting, the whole Bailey thing. Right. That's really Casey Schmidt. He's an echo of Schmidt. You know, I think overall better. Right. Higher defensive performances overall, for sure. His defense probably. Well, I don't know. He just hasn't been gunning the guys out like he was. Right. He hasn't. And, and he's, his hitting has really, really fallen off. It hasn't been as bad as Schmidt was at one point, but very, very similar. Right. And it's really funny because everybody was like, ah, Schmidt's garbage. And hey, Bailey's the best new thing. And now what do we got? Two two guys who had kind of like flashes in the pan. And now you're like, I'm not so sure about this guy. I mean, you know. How much- I, I, I don't. I think Bailey has a lot more upside right now than Schmidt, mainly because catching is such a unique and hard position. And he has proven that he's a 
pretty darn good catcher. People, and he's people not going like to throw out seventy percent of his the runners stealing against him, you know, all year. I and mean, that's just not going to happen. I would like to see him stop making so many errors, uh, throwing balls into the outfield and all that. But uh, but I think that's really the only thing that you can kind of quibble about. I mean, he's hitting two fifty. I mean, that's you know, for a catcher, that's that's pretty darn good. That I mean, yes, I will say this. He's yeah, he, I would agree. He has not fallen off as much as Schmidt. He is still, I think, a better option than Joey Bart. Although, you know, Bart wasn't hitting at all, right? So 250 would be fantastic for Bart. But the power is gone, just like Bart. Total power outage, just yeah. like Joey Bart. So so that's a concern. And I think that's something that really has has hurt the Giants, especially over the last two seasons, is yeah. this... I think that this this is a team that really believed that it could hit home runs. And since 2021, the home runs have just disappeared. Yeah. Well, 2021, they led the, they led the national league in home runs and, you know, which was amazing. They had like what, eight guys or something like that. They hit 20 home runs or more. And uh, that might be an exaggeration, but they had a lot. And, and then, but then they changed the ball. If you recall, and yeah, that's true. And and I, you know, we there's not a whole lot written about that. But you, the Giants' uh, offense, at least uh, home run offense, uh, really tailed off after that. So I, I wonder if it was just you know, there's a difference between warning track power and uh, and home run power. And the Giants seem to do a lot of warning track power. All right. Well, we're going to continue to break all of these things down. But first, you need to ask us our trivia question. Yeah, this is a positive one. You know, we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about some positivity here. Harken back to 2017. Wait, you said this was positive. OK, I lied. <laughs> uh, the, the 2017 uh, Giants were one of the most uh, hard to watch awful teams in recent memory. Maybe oh, in see. Giants history. I get it. And so I just, you know, right now the Giants are what, uh, 19 and a half games out of first place, I think, from the Dodgers, if I if I recall. And I do the math, carry the one uh, divide by zero Um, square root of negative two. Uh, It is. uh, Yes. uh, 19 and a half games out. Okay, so my question to you, Ben is how many games back of first place did the 2017 Giants finish? It was more games, mm, or was it less games, than the career home runs hit by Kevin Moss? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say a billion. A billion. Okay. A billion. (laughs) Yeah. They finished a billion games back. Um, And I know why you asked this question, because you're Mr. Positive and you're all like, look, things could be worse. It could be 2017, folks. So you're right. This is a positive question. And that's my answer, Matthew, because I do know that the 2017 Giants were way worse than any Giants team we've seen in a while, including the last few. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with a billion. That's my answer. Lock it in. Okay. I'm going to give you another option. Over or under oh. the, the career combined home runs of Suyoshi Shinjo and Rickert Fenaita? I know it's way over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, the Kevin Moss is a better better guy than, than those two. Uh, is definitely. Oh well, I mean, Tsuyoshi played about four seasons. I, I don't. I think Rickard only played one. Um, but. Uh, uh, mm, mm. Uh, it's definitely over. It's definitely okay. over. Yeah. There All right. Well, we will we will see how that plays out at the end of the episode. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, yeah. I guess it's time to you know have a little escape from the baseball and talk about uh the fun part of this podcast. Uh, Bob, whose turn is it? What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, thank you, Bob. Bob, you know, when we did our Thursday episode, I was uh, really, it was still summer. And so I decided to do one last summer cocktail to, you know, hold on to the last few warm summer days. And so that's what I'm drinking today. I'm drinking something called the French Pearl. It has two ounces of gin. Three quarter ounce lime juice, three quarter ounce simple syrup, an absinthe rinse, six to eight mint leaves, and a mint leaf for garnish. So you're going to prepare a chilled coupe glass by rinsing it with absinthe or use an atomizer spray to spray the inside of the glass with absinthe. Then you're going to add all the other ingredients to a cocktail shaker with ice and shake for 10 to 12 seconds. Double strain it into your prepared coupe glass and garnish with a mint leaf. And it is a refreshing and bright, uh, with a little bit of touch of the absinthe anise flavor, giving us maybe a hint of fall. So that is what I'm drinking, Bob, the French Pearl. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yes, it is, Bob. It really is. And it's a strong one, so I'm, I'm having a good one today. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Bob, today... I am drinking clearly, uh, sorry, a cocktail called Clearly the Giants are Mediocre. (laughs) No, sorry. No, no, no. It's called Clearly It's Fall because it's fall, Bob, and has been for a while. Now, Bob, this cocktail is a clarified milk punch, and it is extremely complicated to make. So I'm not even going to try to tell our listeners on this episode how I made it. If you really want to know how I made it, you should go and listen to last Thursday's episode where I talk about how I made my clarified milk punch. If you know how to make a clarified milk punch, then I will say that it also has four ounces of overproof rum, four ounces of a cognac, and this makes a double batch, by the way, and two ounces of lemon juice and four ounces of simple syrup. You combine the rums and cognac, the lemon juice, and the simple syrup, and then you add those to milk to make your clarified milk punch. You strain it as you do. If you know what I'm talking about, you do that. And it comes out after you chill it and serve it over ice as a very nice, robust, fall-flavored cocktail with wonderful mouthfeel. Because clearly... It's fall, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It really is, Bob. It's actually pretty darn good. You should go back and listen to Thursday's episode and try to make it, if you're feeling adventurous. It's a doozy. It's hard to make. You know, it's also hard to make. 
apparently. Exciting Giants baseball games? Entertaining baseball teams. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, that seems to be. Uh, even if you're, even if you went to an Ivy League university, and hey, you know what? We both did. I, I can't make an exciting baseball team. I'm just going to put it out there right now. I, I can't make one either. I have a hard uh, time making an exciting podcast. So, you know, let alone a baseball team. <laughs> I think you do just fine at the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm better, but, you know, only slightly. But <laughs> slightly. I would agree. I would agree that neither of us know how to make an entertaining baseball team. And we are really just two gentlemen sitting in our closets. But here's the thing, Matthew, besides the fact that you no longer sit in the closet. Here's the thing. You know what we do know, and we have absolutely authority on, is we know when we are entertained. We know when we are having fun. Right? Yes. And has San Francisco Giants baseball been fun for you this year? And I want you to do a little bit of math because for you and me, it's actually slightly different, right? Because Mm -hmm. you and I, we have a blast making this podcast. And so that makes Giants baseball like a lot of extra fun for us. But if you subtracted all of that from the equation, were you entertained by the San Francisco Giants this year? Well, uh, I think I can explain this in how many games that I actually attended in person this year. <laughs> oh, wow. That's okay. Hmm. That's a low number. <laughs> it was zero, Ben. Zero that's, games. That's the lowest number you can possibly have in this yeah, situation. Yeah, and, and I'm going next week. I'm going on Wednesday night, Got taking it. my daughter and my wife. Uh, why? Because my kid's school was selling Giants tickets as a fundraiser. At a discount? At a, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm taking the three of us for $44. Okay. And I'm assuming some of that goes to my kid's school. So, uh, so basically I feel like I'm going for free and uh, going to sit in front of the Coke bottle. We're going to we're going to eat some, uh, some hot dogs and some garlic fries and that's where and they're going to get you. That's where they're going to get that, you. Totally, totally. But you know, that's the experience. And and then I'm I'm I don't really even know. Like I'm sure it's a TBD on who's pitching. I got excited for a second. I thought Kyle Harrison might pitch, but no, he's pitching on Tuesday. And so I don't even know who's pitching Wednesday and it could be, you know, anybody. Really? I it could a, be you, you know, rolling in. Be. I know he pitched today, but I have a feeling that they're probably just going to roll him out for his last start as a giant. It's going to be Alex Wood, just for you. <laughs> it will be. Just for you. And, and I'll he's... be booing from right from left field. I'll be like, <laughs> boo! Go have an ablation! <laughs> oh, man. Remember the days? Yeah, the yeah, remember, remember when we were singing his praises? Because he was like, you know, burning his back and then coming out and pitching really well? Yeah. Those were, the Those, were the days, okay. Those were the days, Ben. Those were the days. So, so far, you've been to zero games. So, what you're saying is, is that you—that's how much entertainment you have gotten out of the San Francisco Giants this year. It, is, yeah, I mean, I mean, the product has not made me want to go down and see it in person. And, and I think, frankly, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd watch a lot less of the games than I am now, uh, because there hasn't really been a connection to the team, Ben. I don't, 
you know, it, it got a little bit more exciting when the rookies started coming because at least that was some these guys, these names that we've been hearing about for a while. And yep. I really wanted to see that. But then it was clear even then that the Giants didn't trust them or or want to see them. And so, you know, we'd see them for a little bit and then they get sent back down and or they would start make their major league debut and then get pinch hit for like, you know, after two at bats, you know, just those kind of <laughs> things. We're like, what the heck? This team just doesn't really even care about my fan experience. Here I am. You've been touting this kid for like four or five years about he's the future. He gets a standing ovation from the fans who just are so excited to see him when his first at bat. And then like three batters later, they pinch hit for him for some guy that maybe they signed two weeks ago earlier. So I just, you know, that's, that's all like, how can you be excited about that kind of stuff, Ben? Well, I think it's really hard. I mean, I think the specific analogy that you're pulling there is the Matos debut which was very much like that. Yes, he got a huge standing ovation. And what I remember about that is, is that, that actually Farhan Zaidi made a quote about that. And the, the gist of the quote was, I'm surprised. Wow, that caught me off guard. Who knew that the fans... And he was like, I guess we have to remember that. And I'm like, here you are in year five of running this organization, and who knows how many years you've been doing baseball. And you're just figuring that this out... I think I have a feeling that that was the moment that Farhan Zaidi might have for a moment suspected that he's in the entertainment business. Like, I'm pretty sure that Farhan Zaidi doesn't know that. <laughs> like, this is a man who 100%. does not know. He doesn't, he's in the entertainment business and he has no clue that that's his job is to entertain people. He doesn't know he's an entertainer. And that, no, just, he that just made me laugh so hard because I'm like... You know, there are 30 baseball teams in Major League Baseball. Only one of them wins the World Series. If this industry was built around winning the World Series and, you know, or even just making the playoffs, then then it wouldn't work. Right. Like the whole point is, is that all of these teams need to be entertaining. They need to engage their fans and keep them engaged, even without winning sometimes. Right. And so either you need to sell the prospect that you are going to win eventually and that you're moving in that direction. And so you can tell a story there. And it just seems like this San Francisco Giants regime has no idea that it's in the entertainment business, you know, and and there was an article written recently, which I read half of. You know, I just let all the I let I, I read a bunch of other articles about the article that were all total, probably like longer than the article. But it felt like work at a certain point. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do the schoolwork because I'm Ben. But anyway, Tom Verducci wrote an article in Sports Illustrated, which is still a thing, by the way. Did you know that? I, I didn't actually, because I haven't seen a copy of Sports Illustrated since I was like. I think they old. only sell one copy a year, physical copy a year, and you know which copy I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about Giants baseball. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. The, NF the NFL preview. That's right, the yeah, NFL preview. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Tom Verducci wrote an article about the San Francisco Giants, and it basically was like, this baseball is boring. And yeah. if this is the future said, of baseball. If this, is the yeah. type, if this is the future of baseball, then uh, I don't want to be a part of it. And I don't, you know, and I, I didn't agree with everything that he wrote in there because he didn't really know like why some of the stuff was happening. Like, I think his assumption was that's just the way the Giants wanted to operate or whatever. But the point was still valid and that, 
they're putting out a product that's boring as hell. Well, they're putting out a product that is only entertaining if it's successful. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because Look it, at because, 2021. That was damn fun. It right. still didn't bring butts into the seats, but it was damn fun to watch. And it didn't bring butts into the seats because people didn't buy into the story. They didn't see a future in that team. And why would they when all of those guys were on one year contracts or were guys that were just pulled off of the scrap heap? Yeah. Pull, pull out from Korea. Right. You know, and. Yeah. So, and guys that were having careers, it was a wonderful story. Right. But, or it was you know, the these were not was... names that we were invested in. These were not players that we had, you know, been told were going to be the corner of our franchise and were now all of a sudden making a difference. All of a sudden, it was guys like some guy named Darren Ruff, who was a wonderful story. And then, you know, it was a flash in the pan, it turns out. So, just those, those kind of things have made it really hard to really identify with this team. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. It's it's just like I like I love Giants baseball and I love rooting for them. I love the possibility of that. I mean, you know, and it's been great that they've been in the playoffs, you know, hunt this the last couple of years. But the third wild card isn't really something that you start off the season going, oh, man, if we could just make the third wild card. That would be so awesome. Why is that, Bob? Third wild card is the worst wild card. Exactly, Bob. That's right. Exactly. And nobody, you know, it wouldn't even exist if not for some collective bargaining that the owners say, hey, we can get some more money out of adding a third wild card. You know, so, you know, really, the Giants aren't accomplishing a whole lot. And, you know, right now they're hovering at 500. It's not hard to to really kind of tune that crap out because it's like, well, great. There's just a mediocre team with guys that you know are mediocre. And guys that maybe I, you know, that I was told, well, frankly, aren't Aaron Judge, you know? And so it's just, I'm, I, I love the Giants and I love watching Giants baseball. But when you kind of put this expectation out there that you're going to be the Dodgers and then you're more like the insert average name of team here, that's certainly not the Dodgers, then, you know, I just... I, it's hard to get excited about it. And it, no, you know, I, I haven't wanted to, you know, frankly, I live an hour away from San Francisco and I don't want to like shell out money to drive down, find parking, go and like, you know, and, and, you know, get, see the game, get out late, walk, drive home. It's just, you know, all that stuff is not worth it to me when the product is average at best. Right. It's average at best. And then, when you do go, you're not sure that the players that you want to see will even, if they do appear, it will be for an at-bat or two. Before, but what, even, what players do you want to see? What players are you driving to Oracle Park, Ben, to see? Well, I always take Bart, Matthew, so... <laughs> okay. Uh, Which, what, are you, what, who, what, Bart, what Bart ticket are you buying to go see? The one that goes to Embarcadero? No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I... I <laughs> <laughs> who, are you, who are you going to see, Ben? Who are you going to yeah, see? That, that's the question. Yes. Uh, well, you know, J.D. You know Davis. I, no. Michael Conforto. Mitch Haniger. You're driving all. You're taking Bart I, riding well, you, on that hard plastic seat all the way to Embarcadero and walking the rest of the way to the ballpark so you can see Mitch Haniger strike out three times. No, Matthew. You know for a fact that I would buy a Bart ticket to get away from that. Like, <laughs> those guys especially. But no, the people that I would go watch are are Luis Matos. Kyle Harrison, 
Bailey, you know, Fitzgerald. Sure. Like those are the guys that I want to go see. I, I always want to see my boy Camilo because one, it means the Giants are doing well if he's showing up and and two, because he he is my favorite player on the team. Uh, and I, I like me some Mike Yastrzemski and some and, and Wade Jr. But but really, I'm there to see the young guys because that's what I've been waiting for since 2017. I have been waiting for a farm system that could create players who I could count on being there every day and then every day for the next five years. Right. And and then we finally get there this year. And it's like not only can I count on those kids playing more than an at bat or two, I can't even count on them being on the roster. You know, Matos shows up or Luciano shows up and they're gone. Harrison shows up and he's gone. Right? Like, this is the name that you have been touting and pumping for years. And everybody expected to see him last year. And he didn't show up. And then you're like, this is the year. He's going to be there. And then we don't see him until August. And then he makes four starts. And you're like, nope, sorry. He's got to go work on his mechanics. He's done. You know, because we're so smart and we're so good and we got to make a playoff run. So we got to put in Ross Stripling. (laughs) I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. But those are the kids I would pay to go see, but I can't trust that they'll be there. Yeah. And I think you you and I had a conversation once about would the season be uh, a success even if they don't make the playoffs because of the rookies that we've seen? And I think the answer to that is yes, with the caveat being if we see them. And so you you tease right. us with them. You tease us with them and you're like, oh, yeah, look at these rookies. And they're like, oh, but they're not as good as Ross Stripling. They're not as good as Paul DeYoung. So then how am I supposed to get excited about that? Because Paul DeYoung, to this guy's eyes, look look like sorry. Look like he sucked. <laughs> And yeah. so, you know, that first game, notwithstanding, I mean, maybe it was the the Brett Wisely effect. He has this great first game, and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, look at Paul DeYoung. But he's better than Marco Luciano, one of the best prospects in baseball. Like, it's just, I want to, I would be perfectly fine this year, especially after the deadline when they decided not to do anything. Yeah. And granted, there wasn't a whole lot out there to do, but... You know, the message they sent was, this is the team. Well, then, like, if that's the team and it hadn't been good enough until then, then why not just be like, you know what? We're going to bring up the rookies and they're going to play. Yeah. Because they would have been a lot more entertaining. It would have been like, at least it would have given guys like you and me, the the, at least the, the feeling that whatever lumps we took this year, that it was going to be beneficial for next year. Right. And instead, the message that we've gotten is, well, they're good, but we still have Ross Stripling and we still have, you know, uh, Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. And so, you know, basically what they're telling us is that we have to be, still be uh, accept the fact that we've got these guys that haven't really produced uh, and, you know, they're still going to be held to a higher esteem than the rookies uh, and the prospects that the Giants have been pushing all these years. Right. Why would I want to watch Kyle Harrison when I have uh, Ross Stripling? Why would I want to watch Luciano when I can go get Camargo? Why would I want to watch Matos when I could get uh, Pollock? Why, why would I want to watch, uh, you know, Luciano or Schmidt even? Or God help me, Meckler. 
when I can get Paul DeYoung. That really seemed to be like their attitude, right? They were kept going after these scrap heap guys. And it was clear like they, they were treating the scrap heapers, these old veterans that they were just pulling off of, you know, the waiver wire or from free agency because they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle and they were treating these young players the same way. Right. It almost felt like they were trying to squeeze wins out of them wherever they could get them rather than building a team for the future. And and yeah, that that was totally, totally infuriating. And, and you know, but but what's interesting about this and I had this realization as you were talking, I was like, what's funny about the 2023 season is it's sort of a microcosm of the Zaidi era overall. 2021, I think, was an aberration. We didn't realize it until now, right? I think a lot of people believed that 2021 happened because Zaidi was so smart at putting the roster together and Kapler was so smart, you know, and their teams were so smart at getting the best out of those players and that they could and that that was sort of somehow replicable, right? They could keep doing that. And so 2021, I think, fooled us into thinking that this philosophy was better than it actually is. And the 2023 season had the month of June. And I think in the same way that the month of June really made this organization think that this team, this roster, and this philosophy was better than it actually is. And they kept trying to save what they built in one month with all of these other moves where it's like once you had a month of June and then you had the month of July, you probably should have said, but we also had April and May. And when you do the balance on all of that, we're really not as good as June suggested that we are. But they were so fixated on that. They so believed in June that they kept doing all of these things that they probably shouldn't have done. You're right. I think by the end of July, they probably should have said, you know what? We didn't go get anybody new. Let's go make sure that we have Harrison, Luciano, Wynn, keep Schmidt, Bailey on the roster. And those guys are getting the majority of the playing time. And let's see if those kids can finish off the season that clearly the rest of this roster can't. Because at least then we have two full months of letting those kids play at the major league level and they can carry that momentum into next season. Because one, that helps the team for the future, but also two, it's it puts an entertaining product with a good story that you can tell the fan base and people can get excited about. And what's amazing about that is they don't even have to be good. Right. Like a roster like that can actually be bad and you can still be telling them, yeah, they're bad now, but you got to like these kids. Yeah. Wait. Where have we until, seen that before? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, 86 hasn't been great, but 87. Wait till 87. Right. That's the story they could have told. And instead, it was like they flashed these kids before our eyes and then snatched them away before we could, you know, even get to know them. And, you know, put them on the yo-yos. And then and some of them they sent down to minor leagues and then they got hurt down there and we, you know, didn't see them come back for a while. That happened to both Luciano and Wynn. And it's like, at least I could have seen them playing, you know, if, they, if the same thing had happened to them at the major league level, at least I would have seen them for a couple more games and then I would have known. And then when they got healthy, they would have come back. 
And, you know, it, it's just none of that happened. And I know that I, I really want to talk about some of these articles that we've seen written by the likes of Grant Bis- Brisby and Baggerly. And I don't know. We also have in our show notes here about, like, will there be a fall guy for this season? So where do you want to go next? Well, so I I think the question, so will there be a fall guy uh, for this Giants is a question I think that is uh, difficult to answer because you're running out of guys to fall. And The rats are and, jumping off the ship, Matthew. Well, yeah, well, Greg Johnson, Greg Johnson already said that Zaidi and Kapler are back next year. Right. And a lot of right? the other coaches are quitting and leaving for other organizations. So we've already seen that with Donnie Ecker. And and then now we've got uh, what's his name? Uh, Bannister. Uh, Bannister. Yeah. The, the what is what was his official title? Guru of pitching for the organization or something like that? Director of pitching. He was the director of pitching. So he wasn't the pitching coach. He's not the guy in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah, and a so lot he of, leaves. Yeah. He leaves for another organization in during the season. Which is super. Like, weird. how often have you seen that happen? I don't think I can't ever recall that happening. Never. Now he is he is with the White Sox today, working for them, getting a paycheck, doing work. And two weeks ago, he was working and doing work for the San Francisco Giants. Like this is he, he did like a real world thing where he gave two weeks notice, and then boom, he's with the Chicago White Sox, and the Giants didn't have to let him go. They didn't have to let him do that, but they did. So that all of that is very weird. I always thought that yeah, guy was well, weird, but yeah, but anyway, the I, Giants. I, you know, and then you then you have the Donnie Ecker thing, you know, where you know he left uh, after a very successful offensive season, where we saw guys that had we were assuming were finishing out their career all of a sudden having career years, you know, and and so the Giants just let that happen, and so. You know, uh, but so we've lost some. Well, I don't want to say Bannister was lost, but Donnie Ecker definitely was, and and now we're down to like who who goes? Like you know, generally you're 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 saying, hey, there's got to be some accountability. Someone's got to. We got to make some changes. There's got to be a fall guy. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Uh, is it Kai Correa? I mean, like poor little Kai who's just sitting there on the dugout steps, you know, with his little. Brain, you know, kind yeah. of calculating things. Like I don't know if he's the the reason that the Giants are losing, and you know, so I you know, I don't even think there's going to be a fall guy. To be honest, I think that they're going to be like, this is the way we we're we're happy with where we're at. We're on the right path. You know, we're gonna well, you know, keep putting one one foot in front of the other, and we're just gonna you know, we're gonna make the changes that need to be made, and we're certainly accountable to all the mistakes that we've made. And, you know, now we're just going to take this summer or this fall or winter and we're going to we're going to evaluate all of the ways that we could be better. And next year, we're going to just be better with the same guys. We're going to trust the process. Are we we're going to trust the process? See, this is. I, actually, yes, we're. This is what you I, know, and you got to admire that, Ben. You got to admire someone that's so invested in their process that they're willing to just just go down with it. No, you, you don't. You know, like it's like you know the the process is the process, even if it's wrong. I'm just I'm so invested in it. I'm just going to go down with the ship. No, you don't. You, you don't have to respect that at all. 
It's dumb. <laughs> it's stupid. No, it um, is. You're right. I'm being I'm being facetious. You I know, mean, I, I, you're right. You know, a real leaders recognize when maybe their ideas weren't really great, and now yeah. we've got to like pivot. And and you know, and I think as we talked about last week, the one thing that will make them pivot is the last year of a contract. Right. Yeah, all of a sudden, their values and all that might change once they realize that their that the, that extension is is predicated on the fact that they actually win some ball games. Right. Well, I mean that that is interesting. I mean that point that you just made, it's, which is sort of like you know, I, there was an, an article written by Brisby where he was like, "The Giants fans are mad, but why are they? I understand that, but why are they so mad, so livid?" And you. Which is a weird article because it's kind of like that's what fan bases are like. They're fan bases that are always angry, right? I don't know that there is a fan base right now in Major League Baseball where some of the fans aren't out on Twitter asking for the GM and manager to be fired, and that is true probably even for the Braves. Yeah, right. Now, I, I right? think if you look at all the Twitter for each of the five National League West teams, oh yeah, and you'll see well, you'll see some more of so that. Yeah. right. Yeah, I mean we saw that with Dave Roberts last year, right? Like when they lost to the the Padres. Um, you know, I, I, and, and anyway, but my point is, is that like, I think the reason why I am so angry about the San Francisco Giants is because of the arrogance of the leadership. And this is from ownership on down where they act and talk about not just other, their opponents, but also their fans as if they're dumb and don't understand what we're doing and what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, you can take that if you're winning. But here you have these guys who are just talking about how their process is so good. You know, like you had Larry Bear last, you know, at the, in last offseason talking about how the Giants fans just need the light bulbs to go off and understand what we're doing. Right. And you had Kapler this year talking to that reporter, like when the reporter asked a question about like, do you understand the like what was the distinction here? And the and 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 Kapler went after him and be like, well, do you understand the distinction? And it was really arrogant. It was really like, I'm smarter than you. I know more about baseball than you, which is clear. And I think the reporter was actually asking the question because he thought that was true. But it was really arrogant. And I think Zaidi comes off as like, I think he's got his head in the clouds a little bit. And I think he just, you know, he thinks his way is the right way. But all three of that, all three of those levels, you know, just come off as just being so smart. And like, if you're so smart, why are you 500? <laughs> right? Like, I'm a pretty smart guy too, Matthew. And, and, and I really don't like it when, when, you know, I know that people don't like it when you try to rub that in their faces. Right. And and I really yeah. feel like that's why this organization disrespects its fans and treats us like we're dumb idiots. And, you know, like, hey, I'm not sitting here trying to say I know the all the answers are, but I'm saying like you should. Because <laughs> you're the yeah. guys getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And uh, and it's pretty clear that you don't have all the answers. Because you're 500 over two seasons. So yeah. you're not so Actually, smart, are you? Actually, two games under 500, to be exact. And, You're right. My bad. And and so, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because you know, the, you talk about another article. Baggerly wrote an article this week about a lot of things around just kind of how the culture and the clubhouse and all that and who's accountable for it. And, you know, you talk about Kapler. He's written, you know, he is they were talking about how he is definitely someone that prefers to go one-on-one with each of his uh, meet one-on-one with it, with his players. You know, he he's well-respected for the fact that he treats people with respect 
but that doesn't it seems to like it ends there right it doesn't it doesn't go beyond his players you know it's everyone else is an idiot and and so I, I, and then you know so there's that but i think you know what what was more interesting about that article as i was kind of reading through it was the the fact that there's there seems to be a you know there are some players at least who are acknowledging that there's like a a culture issue within the clubhouse where accountability is 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 basically on the players and there's no one like you know demanding it and and so you know you make a mistake and they're like oh he's human you know it's just the way it is and and yeah that's true but it's also a results based you know a business and when when you start seeing a pattern of people making these quote unquote human mistakes then at some point someone's got to point that out and and hold people accountable to their mistakes and that and that hasn't been Kapler and so if you're if you're looking at like some ways that or some reasons for the way the giants have played this year you know, you have to look at Kapler's uh, way that he's handled the the clubhouse, and and I, I haven't been eager to really jump on Kapler because I feel at the end of the day it's the players who, who are the ones that are responsible for performing on the field. Uh, but there is a there's a reason there's a manager, right? And and the and so when. Part of that is making sure that everybody's, you know, is on the same page and is rowing in the same direction. It's kind of similar to being a CEO of an organization. That's your job. You're not making the widgets, but you're making sure everybody understands why and how you're making the widgets. Culture is your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. The players get paid to play. What do you get paid to do? Fill out the lineup card? That's it? That's all you get paid to do? No. And we know Kai Correa does that. (laughs) Right. You're the culture. If there's a culture problem, it's the manager's fault. If there's an accountability problem, it's the manager's fault. And I don't know why those things are happening. And as a fan, it's really not my responsibility to know why. But I can tell you as somebody with leadership experience that like, yeah, when those things start to fail, that's on you to fix. And if it's broken, it is most definitely your fault. And you know what? You're a guy who has a history of teams that collapse in September. This is your third time out of all of your seasons managing baseball. And aside from one season, your record is really eerily 500. I think that all points to you and your abilities. And absolutely, he should be accountable for that. Yes, the players need to play better. And yes, it's good to have leaders who, and players who hold each other accountable. And if you're the kind of guy who can build a culture that, that relies, that needs that and builds on that and has those guys and they do that job, then great. But you haven't clearly done that. And that's your fault. So all of that falls on the manager. For sure. Like, I have no problem saying that. Like, that is the manager's fault. A team that goes 5-26 and 26 on the road but can play 500 or better at home, that problem is on the manager. Right? So I think there are significant issues with Kapler's leadership. I don't know what they are. I can't point to them. But you know what? I'm just a guy sitting in his closet. I am not yeah. a baseball expert. And that's not my job to figure out. But I do know that it's broken. Well, and I would like to think I have a little 
leadership experience and and I don't know if I'm an expert, but I definitely understand leadership. And what I do know is that it's very hard to change your leadership style uh, with the same people that you've been leading. Uh, and so, yeah, because they won't buy yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's easier to go somewhere else and be like, this is how I'm leading and make changes. It's very difficult to do it with the people that have seen you be a leader for, uh, you know, several years. That is uh, true. So, so I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I know Baggerly, we don't, we don't have to talk about this, but Baggerly, Baggerly was even positing like Wotus if Kapler were to be the fall guy, you know, <laughs> he's and, the only uh, guy they could bring in and he's just hovering around there. With you his know? slicked back hair and his, you know, old school baseball. Yeah, he yeah, looks so yeah good. that would be he's, interesting. He's such a nice guy. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Right. He's the only guy, I think, that if, if you're going to keep Zaidi, but you're going to make Kapler the fall guy, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so either. But yeah. if it did, like, I think he's the only guy that you could bring in, but I don't know, Wotus plus Zaidi? I don't know that that yeah. sounds like, but you know, sometimes well, it'd almost be like Bochi and Zaidi. It would be kind of like that same you know, kind be, of dynamic, but, and, and who knows, you know, maybe it becomes peanut butter and chocolate. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But, but I don't, but we're not going to get that. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's Kapler yeah. next year. But I think that man is a, you know, but, and, and, and I think what you do is you do give him a roster full of a bunch of new young guys. Right. Yeah. As many as you can. And, and, uh, you know, and maybe you subtract a few people and maybe he can have that new group that you're talking about. But, you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, like something here is clearly, clearly broken. And I think this organization, A, needs to stand in front of the fans and say, we recognize that it's broken and we recognize that our approach might be wrong. <laughs> And uh, and maybe you fans weren't so dumb after all, <laughs> you know. Maybe some of you guys were right and we were wrong. I, I think that's a bit much to ask out of these people. I don't think you're going to get that, but they definitely need to change their ways and uh, and they need to put a product out on the field that's entertaining, and that's the way that they're going to get fans to come back, and that's the way that our ratings are going to go up back to where they were in June because you and I, by running this show, Matthew, we can see how happy fans, Giants fans are or not. Right. Yeah, it turns it's out, interesting folks. It's interesting to see our downloads based on how they correlate with the Giants success. And uh, uh, when the Giants are hot, man, people want to listen about the Giants. And when the Giants suck, Boy, the 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 people, and I don't blame you. I'm kind of the same way. Don't really want to wallow in that misery. So, but, yeah, and, and I, it's a business problem for the Giants. Indeed, I mean, not for Giant cocktails. We don't make any money off of this, but uh, for the Giants, it's a business problem. Indeed, but you cocktail lovers, you guys keep showing up. We love you. Yes, yes. Come on back for the booze. Anyway, Matthew, <laughs> I think it's time to answer our trivia question. Yeah. So, you know, I, we've been talking negative this whole time, but I did want to kind of point out that uh, the reason the trivia question is how many games back of first place to the 2017 Giants finish is because um, really there is no San Francisco team in history uh, that uh, finished as many games back as the Giants did that year. The answer, Ben is definitely more combined home runs than Shiyoshi Shinjo and Rickard Fanida, who hit a combined 20 home runs in their career. <laughs> All of them by Shinjo. 
Uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> uh, the Giants finished 40 games back, last place in the National League West. They were uh, they were seven games behind the Padres, who finished. The Giants were 64 and 98. The Padres were 71 and 91. The Colorado Rockies were 87 and 75 that year wow. and finished third in the National League West. The Diamondbacks were 93 and 69 and the Los Angeles Dodgers won 104 games that year. The Giants were 40 games off of that pace. If you add Kevin Moss's career home runs, then they then 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 they're more than that cuz he hit 65. Okay. <laughs> and like 20 of them in the first like 2 months of his career. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so we got one week left, Ben. Yeah. One week next week when we come back, we will be talking about the end of the season. Uh, we'll be talking about Brandon Crawford's final game as a giant. Uh, we're also going to be talking about booze before then. So uh, next week, I am I am bringing a drink called I Don't Give a Fig. And folks, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just just that's it seemed appropriate. Ben, what are you drinking on Thursday? I'm drinking an, uh, another fall themed cocktail, but this time way simpler than my last two. So uh, like way simpler. It's called the Stone Fence. That's right. We may not be playing in the fall classic, folks, but at least we're bringing to you some fall classics. So uh, come on back on Thursday and hear about those. Uh, We've got Padre games. And as Ben said, uh, the only thing that's kind of interesting about that is can the Giants or Padres knock each other out of the playoffs? I mean, it really doesn't. It would be pretty cool if they did, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would- and you know, and and I guess the the biggest question doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter, but you kind of want to finish ahead of the Padres, don't you? Like you know, at the end of the year. Yeah. So what I uh, want is this to be. I want them to to go two and one in the series, but I want the Giants to win the series, uh, and the Cubs will win one of those three games. So they'll both be eliminated during the series, but the Giants win it, and then they you know take care of business against the Dodgers and finish ahead of the Padres, and hopefully eighty one wins. At least that's what I would like to see. Yeah. But well, we'll see if that happens. You know what? Then we got the Dodgers to wrap it up, uh, which, you know, I think when the schedule makers put together this schedule, they probably thought these last uh, two weeks of baseball would be a little bit more meaningful in the National League West. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the Dodgers do. They'll be trying to line up their pitching rotations. Well, they won't even have to do that because they get a little break before uh, they play. But uh, who knows? We'll see what happens when uh, the Dodgers and Giants play. And, and, you know, frankly, it probably doesn't even matter. They're going to bring up some left-hander from the minors from double A that's like never pitched, you know, above double A in his life. And he's going to like no hit the Giants. Correct. You know, kind Correct. Of, work. Uh, Sunday will probably be... Um Crawford's last game as a San Francisco Giant. Uh, he'll come if off. If you're planning on going to the game, go and just cheer the heck out of Brandon Crawford when he comes up to play. He may not even be 100% physically, but you know he's going to play. I assume that if he's not 100%, he'll DH. That's yep. probably what will happen in uh, these last six games, which are no longer meaningful, Mr. Farhan Zaidi. All right. Well, folks, thanks for, you know, thank you for sticking with us. You know, thanks for being here in this uh, last, you know, week to two weeks of the season. Uh, You know, we know that a lot of Giants fans have checked out, but you're still here. 
So thank you for that. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and, and do all those things. Uh, follow us on the social medias, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or the platform formerly known as Twitter, and uh, Threads and Mastodon. You, we're at Giant Cocktails. Uh, give us a follow. You can see our recipes. Although I realized today that I told I was so busy at work that I did not put out our cocktails on Thursday uh, for the Thursday podcast. So I apologize for that. They will be out there tomorrow for our, for today's podcast uh, release. So thank you for, for being here. Uh, we will see you next week to wrap up the season. Ben, until then, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. Uh, Stupid bar, huh?